going on? You're listening to the Film Drunk Frogcast, coming at you not live from separate frock quarters. It's me, Vince Mancini, your best friend, Uprox writer, uh, recently married dude, and I'm here with uh, my best friend, uh, Mr. Matt Lieb, the irregular regular. Lum is the loneliest lumber that you'll ever lum. Two can be as bad as lum. It's the loneliest number since lum the bum. What's up, everyone? Wow. You're getting oh. the vibrato in there. Yeah, well, I'm actually a really good singer. Uh, I think I've proven that multiple times on this podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's been... I feel like it's been forever and a day since I've gotten to do a Lum song, so I'm very happy uh, to have the broadcast back for for if only for just a moment between between recording. Pod yourself again. Yeah, I like when, that you call them Lum songs. I look as long as you don't start honking off on this Zoom call, I'm happy, dude. No promises, no promises. As long as you, you don't know? start, just you know start tubing. Yeah, I'm going to start tubing, dude. You know, they say that, uh, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a uh-huh. nail. Well, when you're a uh, chat rouletteer. When you're uh, a lummer, you know, everything, everything looks like a butt. That's exactly right. That's even better than where I was. I didn't even know where I was going. It was something along the lines of, uh, doesn't matter if it's a Zoom call, I'm treating it like it's chat roulette. The point is, is I have masturbated in front of people on zoom my name is jeffrey okay Tubin. cool 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 yeah so obviously we're talking about new yorker writer jeffrey tubin i honestly don't know yeah. all of the things that he's done in his life uh i know he wrote that book about oj which i read he did he wrote an oj i read book. it or um, i listened to it oh mm-hmm. and we're um yeah. we're also we we have the same alma mater i think Columbia? Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm reading his Wikipedia. It says he won awards from, I don't know. He Maybe he went there. I don't know. I think sometimes you get awards from colleges you That's didn't go true. to so that people can Google yeah. it and then be like, I should go there because Jeffrey Tubin went mm-hmm. there. I didn't go there Infamous. because of Jeffrey Tubin yeah. for the record. Yeah, for the record, you went there um, uh, on your own volition. You've you you don't need Jeffrey Tubin to honk you know honk off his on hog a Zoom call with me on a Zoom call for you to pick which college you're going to. Be a hell to. of an you entrance. Know, you're you're classy. Be a hell of an entrance interview though. Yeah, it would be. I mean, that's honestly, I knew this day would come. Maybe not for Tubin, but I knew. I was like, it's gonna happen. Yeah. It's it's an eventuality here. Right. I mean, everyone's stuck at home. Everyone's zooming. Everyone's using their webcam for the first time, fucking ever. Even more than that, and like I did, um, I did like a, a press tour interview for the new Gerard Butler movie, which got postponed immediately yeah. after it came out, which is why you haven't read any of the interview yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes so, sense. So uh, I didn't realize it was going to be a video thing, and that they'd recorded it all, like a you know like yeah. a press tour interview but anyway so i like i jump on the zoom call um thinking it's just like you know a publicist and like here's gerard butler here you got 10 minutes kind of thing right but instead it's like four dudes who i guess are all on team gerard somehow Definitely. and then they send yeah. me to a separate break breakout room which is like four or five journalists who i guess are all waiting also waiting for their time to interview Gerard Butler mm-hmm. and then lined up at the trough. Yeah, exactly. So like I immediately turned my camera off cause I don't need to be like, ha- have my camera showing 
in this breakout room. God knows long, how long we were going to sure. be in there. But there was just like one dude who had his camera on and he's just sort of sitting there frowning at his screen and like five other people are all kind of just like watching this guy waiting for some kind oh, yeah. of disaster to happen. And it didn't. But like the first thing you imagine is some sort of lethal weapon situation where some guy, you know, mm-hmm. goes and takes a dump or, you know, yeah. finger blasts his asshole it or just, whatever. I mean, it's just like you can't you can't put the workplace, the workplace and the jerk place. The never the two yes. shall meet, you know, they, they need to be separate. And I think we're going to come to a point where people just have a Chromebook that's just for just for wanking yeah, or just the library and, instead of being a place that you go to read books uh it's just a yeah. place where you go to jack off i mean that, hobos use it that way already so yeah i mean and kudos by the way to the homeless people who are doing that because they're like i'm not gonna let poverty stop me from jacking it jacking off to porn mm-hmm. you know because it's like what they're the only people in society who aren't allowed to have whatever kind of porn they want at their fingertips at any point in the day like that's fucking yeah, bullshit that in, so that would have been I, in the bill of rights if we had absolutely if we had computers back in that day it would have been one of the in the bill of rights probably the ninth amendment it would have been just like libraries are for honking <laughs> life and liberty and the pursuit of honking off whenever you need to <laughs> yeah i mean like the tubin thing when i heard it first by the way um i gotta say this is kind of the worst damage control i think i've ever seen done in a story because there was an attempt i think early on to slow roll what had happened and kind of like get get kind of a some misinformation out there that this was just like he accidentally like showed his dick on camera and i was like there's and, and i remember people were going like you know um you know accidentally in quotes and stuff and i was like um ladies ladies online i don't know if you know this but um dicks fall out all the time <laughs> at home it's just it's just dick fallout mm-hmm. city it just that's what it, you uh, if you're wearing a robe yeah, that's sometimes how they, you have those that's like, how they named the band fallout boy exactly what they were talking about was was uh, their hog i mean i've worn like uh certain boxers you know that just have like the slits mm. too big so it just like everything just kind of like spills out hey, you got like one ball coming out mom. all right you know what but you know i don't need this i don't need this um no but like the the discourse so like i when you hear this story sorry you're you're explaining the way it came about which was that they weren't they were being coy about it um and then they accidentally published what what happened and then and then deleted it but people had screen capped the part of the story that said what actually happened and it was almost like right. someone had created like a, a really good marketing campaign for people to want to know exactly what happened. Because it's not like yeah, I, I mean, it's not like my mom. Or it's not like you know, some guy on the street is gonna know who the fuck Jeffrey Tubin is. Right. I mean, it was they kind of accidentally did like a, a, a Streisand effect. You know, the infamous Streisand effect. That's where you uh, do everything you can. Like she tried to not have her um, her house listed. She tried to sue something or other uh in in order to make sure that um nobody knew the location um or had any pictures of her Mm -hmm. house and the publicity from that just caused everyone to know what her house looked like and where it was it was like you know it had the opposite effect and i think them trying to slow roll it you know if 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 jeffrey tubin if they wanted to do it quietly they would have just said jeffrey tubin is you know uh 
like just, you, he would have just not I mean, showed up on the byline one day like like nobody yeah, would have it, it, it would take like six months for anybody to notice that he wasn't writing right but like they just decided you know um and, and what was weird it was like it was clear there were they were going to make this public no matter what they were like uh, people this, there's no way this is staying in so we gotta let it out but instead there was like mixed messages so there was like did his dick just fly out all of a sudden or was he honking it and he was straight uh, apparently straight up honking right. it do you know the details of the honking because i don't um uh so sorry the details are like make it even funnier and weirder which i think is part of uh the fascination i'm looking for the i'm looking sure. for the actual because uh, uh, what i had heard was that um he was in a zoom meeting yeah here i, for I got the it C i got it sorry okay. so I'll just read the fucking piece from Vice. Vice was the one who broke this. Uh, two people who mm. were on the call told Motherboard separately that the call was an election simulation featuring many of the New Yorkers. <laughs> more like erection simulation, <laughs> am I wrong? More like erection <laughs> stimulation. <laughs> oh, no, damn it. Oh, it's even better. <laughs> featuring many of the New Yorkers' biggest stars. Jane Mayer was playing establishment Republicans. Evan Osnos was Joe Biden. Jelani Cobb was establishment Democrats. Masha Gessen played Donald Trump. Andrew Morantz was the far right. Sue Halpern was left-wing Democrats. Dexter Filkins was the military. And Jeffrey Tubin playing the courts, uh, which is another bit, nice bit of symbolism that he was the mm -hmm. courts and the courts are just... I was the courts. <laughs> My robe slipped open. <laughs> um, also, super weird. Like, what... What the fuck does a election simulation look like? Uh, uh, how does that? How does that help I, I anything? What is? It, what was the goal of that? I don't get it. I mean, it, it was. It was literally they were doing uh, political theater rehearsal, yeah. and the, uh, like immediately, I'm just like, so they're all ghouls. Let's start <laughs> there. They're all ghouls. Um, I mean, w this analysis is useless. Fucking twenty-four hour analysis. I would say more like is, nerds. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know enough of them well enough to know like whether they're ghouls. But they're definitely nerds. Well, Jane Mayer's cool. Yeah, she's tight. I think. Was she yeah, the shock but, jockey, uh, or was that someone? No, that's Naomi nah, that's Klein. Right. Damn it. Uh, yeah, Jane Mayer is. Uh, she's something else. But, she was married uh, to some other whatever famous it is. writer, I think. Anyway. I remember it's yeah. cool. Uh, I remember just that. There were much. also a handful of other producers on the call from the New Yorker and WNYC. Both people who mm -hmm. spoke on the condition of anonymity in order to speak freely noted that it was unclear how much each individual person on the call saw. But both of the people <laughs> we spoke to said that they saw Tubin jerking off. The two sources described a juncture in the election simulation when there was a strategy ses session, and the Democrats and Republicans <laughs> went into their respective breakout rooms for about 10 minutes. At this point, they said, it seemed like Tubin was on a second video call. The sources said that when the groups returned from their breakout rooms, Tubin lowered the camera. The people on oh. the call said they could see Tubin touching his penis. Tubin then oh. left the call. Moments later, he called oh. back in, seemingly unaware of what his colleagues had been able to see, and the simulation continued. Um, oh my god oh my god nightmare nightmare yeah. shit dude nightmare so the shit. discourse on this um was sadly predictable for about a day it was super fun it was just like non-stop jokes yeah about you know jeffrey yeah. first of all his name's tubin uh yeah and he's come playing on. the courts come on in an election simulation yeah. and he's jerking off um someone replaced i mean it's literally his name is 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 a verb 
Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, there was also uh, when Drew McGarry used to write these like Rex Ryan uh, fan fiction bits. Um, every every one of them would start with like door flies open and then like a big picture of Rex Ryan. And uh, one of the famous lines from it was he was telling someone he's going tubing and he's like, "What you mean like tubing on a river?" And he's like, "Pussy tubing." And so that's all I can think of. <laughs> that line stuck in my head for whatever reason, and I've always associated it with. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin, and now it's even worse. Um, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, now. but even worse. It's kind of like uh, you know the glasses of water that were set up throughout the movie Signs, and you're just like, but why? <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, because uh, it hurts the yeah. aliens. No, so what a shitty movie. Um, yeah, so like one guy replaced all of the captions in New Yorker cartoons with uh, Jeffrey Tubin <laughs> got caught jerking off on a Zoom call. And it like works as a caption for every New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's it brilliant. But then, of course, like the like inevitable annoying part of the discourse had to arrive, which is that oh. uh, you know half the people were like, "We should be more empathetic uh, towards Jeffrey Tubin," and then half the people were like, "You should be fucking blacklisted if you say that we should be empathetic towards uh, Jeffrey yeah. uh, Jeffrey Tubin because." He's an actual sex criminal, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. um, like, is it? Can can we just? I hate, I hate both yeah, of can you. Can we just admit I, that we that? don't know s- stuff sometimes? Like, yeah, I, I'm sure, that, like, one side would be like, oh no, uh, actually, like Jeffrey Tubin has a history of blah blah blah, and and the thing is, oh, it's yeah. like the average person on the street, like, we can't possibly know that, and knowing that requires me to do like hours of research on this thing that I don't really give a shit about. Um, yeah, and it's like, what do you what do you even Google? Reasons to hate Jeffrey yeah. Tubin, and so it's like we're, you know, we're it's already like, in camps ugh. of uh, we're already like in 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 fucking cordoned off camps of you know one side's wrong and one side's right. Yeah. It's kind of just like just because here's the thing: it's like, like, like be able to to apologize, like be able to forgive someone for one thing. I don't know. I mean, my whole thing is is like uh, is fuck fuck forgiveness, like. Your forgiveness bears no weight on society. Right. Fuck you. You know, it's like it's these people who are like, you know, uh, I can't believe he did this to us. Like, motherfucker, you weren't yeah. there. You know, like this has nothing to do with you. And, you know, people are like, how could you how could you let this go? And it's like, do you have a therapist? Because you should let this go. <laughs> right. It's 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 so it's annoying like, I would have because to it's know like too many small details to to ascertain like whether this was a harmless accident or whether he's doing uh you know some sort of sex the, the, the crime and it's like I don't care to learn enough about that so I'm just gonna let yeah, the first one and, go and I feel like that's where we should kind of be at I mean when I say let it go I mean I'm gonna make a ton of jokes about it because that's the thing that you make yeah jokes yeah about. let it go meaning like we're going to make fun yeah. of this and it's like you know the side that says this is uh it's terrible that this happened to him poor him I I understand you know to a degree and then the side of of it that says like wow that's really um terrible that he did that and you know what a fucking idiot and that's disgusting i i agree with that right. too i agree with it all but also like anyone who's got any like firm opinions on this can eat a dick it's funny right, right. it's well, funny thing, it is objectively I think, I think funny. the thing about the worst part about that is that some people like assume um like malice or lack of empathy in 
in the act of making jokes and it's kind of like oh yeah eh, there's no this is not necessarily a moral judgment like i don't think i fall it's not i that don't deep. fall hard on uh this is something that can happen to anyone or like he's a bad person like i just think yeah it's funny and um him getting roasted on the internet for what he did for like a month is a perfect punishment whether it's whether it is uh, whether it contained malice or whether it was just uh, you know an act of negligence, that I think that's like the perfect. Yeah, I response. mean, and 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 to me, it's like the the burden of proof on anyone who says that there was malice involved. That's on you. <laughs> right. You you gotta you gotta point out a history of him just jacking off he like louis ck in front of people like if that's the case then okay that's the case but like it seems like no one has any idea what his you know weird sexual history is other than like he like cheated on his wife or something and it's like people want to people want to make it into a thing but it's like listen this dude as far as i know he it was accidental jacking until proven malicious Mm -hmm. like you can't you you can't just immediate immediately assume that someone who was jacking off in a work call was doing it because he's Louis C.K. There's very few Louis C.K.s out there, you know? I mean, not that there's not a lot. There's probably a lot of people jack off in front of people for fun. But what I'm saying is that, like, in what world would he do? Would he risk his entire career and or just getting ripped on for the rest of his life? Um, all to just get one nut off, and that's not to say that I haven't, you know, uh, See, fucking. A, a, some had people my think horny a dangerous mind. nut is better than a regular nut, a safe nut. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. Sometimes a danger nut, you know, will cause you to do some things, but not that. I mean, it's like you know, maybe yes, accidentally hang yourself in a closet trying to jack off real good, but I mean, usually that's not the case. That's why know, I think not- like that pedophiles I'm always fascinated with because it's like. So really, like every single nut that you, well, not every single nut, but like most of your nuts could get you stabbed to death in prison. Like that is a fucking yeah. tightrope act. That's, a, yeah, getting. that, I mean, that is definitely a danger nut to a degree that I don't fully understand because like my, my whole thing is, is like, I'm putting my own self into like, I, I'm putting who I am into this story by going like, I'm jacking off you know because i think my camera is is off or whatnot at a work meeting and i'm like you know sexting with somebody trying to show them my dick um and then <laughs> oh I realize, that makes so much more sense yeah yeah no that's 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 what he uh, uh, that's what i read that he was doing that apparently he was like sexting. oh that would make a lot um, more sense than him just randomly deciding to honk off during a, whatever yeah. the fuck a breakout I mean, session with fellow uh pretend democrats or whatever yeah. the fuck yeah yeah in in some sort of uh, erection stimulation but like uh the you know my my immediate like my feeling is the moment that he discovers oh shit the camera's on i'm going immediately flaccid i'm going fear flaccid mm. you know i'm talking dick inside body <laughs> i'm talking about balls in mouth you yeah. know i'm talking about like working their way up to my mm-hmm. throat like the, it, the, the like the blood uh, yeah straight up any dude i mean so like i can't imagine the feeling of like knowing that your coworkers are watching 
and then getting more hard like that's crazy yeah. to me but you know to each to each their own i don't think that's what he was doing um i think he it was it was an accident um until someone uh proves otherwise yeah. but I now guess. we're already cordoned off into like oh typical men defending other men's sex crimes as just a harmless yeah, just accident like the idea it's like all right if you don't have like the capacity to imagine that something might be an accident that definitely feels right. like your problem yeah no it's definitely it's this list is a hang-up that you have and also like to me what's monumentally worse than um trying to like use this as an opportunity to um you know to be a clout shark via via like shit posting <laughs> is to be a clout shark via outrage yeah. posting Scolding. like fuck you if you're gonna shit post on it you know it's yeah it's mean or whatever blah 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 but also it's, it's just hella funny it's funny mm -hmm. but if you're being like hey everyone stop trying to capitalize off of this by making jokes and start trying to capitalize off of it by being <laughs> outraged and it's like i fucking hate yeah. you you're the worst person on the internet. That's a every that's time. an internet party fail. Finish your drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, I, it's it was just bound to happen, dude. It was bound to yeah. happen. We all knew it was going to. I I didn't know who it would be. Would have never guessed it would have been Jeffrey Tubin. Um, <laughs> well, that would and, name would never just occur to me out of the blue in general. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, fucking. But also, his name is Tubin. You know, it's like at this point, you know, I think everything post Anthony Weiner, you know, you realize that like there, you know, irony is dead, mm -hmm. and uh, people with uh, you know questionable uh, sexual innuendos for last names, they're probably doing that shit. You know, yeah. He's you know Jeffrey is Tubin, Anthony is Weiner. It's true. It's just what it's what they were born to so, do. So Matt, um, this week we had the premiere of you know obviously like a big deal hubie's halloween yeah, that's the movie i'm talking about adam sandler <laughs> does i actually haven't seen it what does he do does he just I he goes, hol does halloween stuff i i don't know i have not seen it i will never see it um i watched and, one of his uh, other like netflix movies and i was like well this is kind of shitty but like i can see it's just like the right of it's it's like equal to a sitcom amount of mindlessness uh yeah, yeah. i didn't find it like offensive I, particularly i mean you know i, I just uh, i don't have um i don't have the will to watch an adam sandler movie um that is in any way produced by adam sandler like i just don't have the like i have no desire so you know i don't fuck with it but uh, i did have a desire to fuck with the movie that we did see. Aaron um, Sorkin, which is the trial yes. of the Chicago seven. I mean, Aaron Sorkin, he is the award winning screenwriter uh, and creator of the newsroom. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the West, West wing. wing studio 60 night on the sports. What the two, there was two of them. One was mm -hmm. about a sports show. One was about like Sport, Saturday night Live, sports night or night sports <laughs> uh and studio something on the sunset yeah. so strip. in like in the newsroom he specialized in telling you what to think about news stories that happened like 18 months ago um yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, like i think that uh the trial of chicago seven is like firmly in aaron sorkin's wheelhouse which is that um a it's a courtroom drama uh, and he's mm -hmm. he's the guy who got famous with uh, Did You Order the Code Red? 
whatever the fuck was mm-hmm. that? Uh, a few good men that's the one um so mm-hmm. he loves uh courtroom dramas and people in the military uh and uh and and he loves um, like the boomer era i think is his favorite i feel like he's the typical sort of like loves that um you know he likes re- reliving how the boomers won the culture war or whatever he he likes uh i think just doing everything from a boomer perspective um yeah, which is weird because he's not like, like technically a boomer i think he's too young to technically be a boomer i think he's like yeah but he's that's maybe true i, I don't know how how old he is but um he's yeah he's, for he's him, born in 1961 he, which makes him uh fun that's a boomer. fun fact uh one year younger than jeffrey tubin Oh, that's yeah. fun. Uh, that means in a year he's gonna be masturbating on camera. I don't know. Uh, I I feel like uh, that he like Sorkin has a way of putting his perspective um, on on every character. Yeah. Uh, that he no, ever like writes. His, yeah. And his my his least favorite tick as a writer is that every character kind of sounds like him, and the more movies that you see the more you kind of start thinking that he's a smug asshole because his characters are always yes. sort of very smug and um snarkyish i mean here's the thing so i i'm I, i'm not someone who hates uh aaron sorkin like like aaron sorkin to me uh is like there's a time and a place sure. for aaron sorkin yeah. Like I, I i respect what he does cuz he does it so well and occasionally the source material matches with the Sorkin mm-hmm. voice. So like the, the perfect example is the, the Sork material. Yeah, exactly. When the source and the Sork align, mm-hmm. then you've got something good. The The Social Network, for example, to me is a good Sorkin movie. Uh, I like it. And what I like about it is that like basically every Sorkin character... I haven't watched it recently. Did it not hold I, well, up? I watched it recently because it was it had an anniversary. And uh, I don't know if it was so much that the movie doesn't hold up so much as that. Uh, like that was way before Facebook had really become what Facebook is. And right. people didn't really yeah. know what it was. Like at that point, it was just like a cool platform for posting pictures on. And yeah. like millionaires were cool back then. And uh, right. and so it's it's very weird. No, 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 no. Vince, Vince. Millionaires aren't cool. You know what's cool? Fucking billionaires a billion, a billion, dude. yeah a billionaires yeah um so like i i think i even i had to read the goddamn book that it was based on um to write that retrospective mm. and uh i think the book is actually worse written worse than the movie like a lot of the worst parts of the movie came straight out of the book which is very yeah. bullshit but i think like so the i'm sorry i'm digressing big time but no, social fine, network ahead. there's that first scene where uh Mark Zuckerberg is uh, like getting dumped by that girl because he's so obsessed mm-hmm. with like getting into a final club, um, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, like Aaron Sorkin clearly invented that scene, and it like doesn't it doesn't jibe with Mark Zuckerberg's personality at all. Like Mark Zuckerberg's no. whole thing is that he's kind of like he's kind of like flat affect. No one can tell what he's thinking. He's kind of he's like maybe mm-hmm. mildly a prick, but mostly just like socially awkward and. Like his whole thing yeah, yeah. from the beginning was that uh, he didn't really care about money. Like he got offered a million dollars for some fucking app he made in high school, and he didn't take it. Mm-hmm. He released it for free. Didn't give a shit. So the idea that like Mark Zuckerberg 
cared about final clubs seems like completely at odds with what people know about Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, yeah. Well, so here's here's my feeling about the movie and Mark Zuckerberg IRL versus Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg is that like to me the at that point the real Mark Zuckerberg quote unquote wasn't really a a a nationally known personality so you kind of were left to kind of like fill in the gaps and the way that Aaron Sorkin writes characters is is they are all and not just in in you know the social network but in everything he writes they're all bitter nerds (laughs) and it, it, he he only knows how to write bitter nerds and idiot girls. <laughs> yeah. And, and, as and as so, Brett says, like, every female character in the first draft of an Aaron Sorkin script is just named my ex-wife. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and and so like in in this movie, uh, in Social Network specifically, he was able to kind of like give Mark Zuckerberg a voice that I was like, I I can buy it. Mm -hmm. I can buy this voice on this character because I don't know who Mark Zuckerberg is. He does seem like a bitter nerd based on kind of like the bullshit that he pulled, you know, in terms of like maybe possibly stealing the idea for Facebook or whatever the fuck. But like bitter nerd worked for that character, especially with the Jesse Eisenberg performance, because Jesse Eisenberg can only be Jesse Eisenberg in movies. (laughs) So they Sorkinized him. And I was like, yeah, I'm willing to believe that this is how Mark Zuckerberg talks and acts and how other bitter nerds at Facebook and in the Facebook universe acted. So like there's a time and a place for Sorkin that I feel like works. Right. Um, And, and, you know, I don't, I don't hate it when he, when he creates a character that I feel like, yeah, they would act like that. Even, even in the newsroom, it was like the, the character that Jeff Daniels plays is, is infuriatingly Mm -hmm. smug, infuriatingly. He always has a character that speaks for the, that's a, that's meant to like speak for the audience and meant to speak for his like own, um, point of view. It seems like, which, and it's like the the which is like the and it's the audience it, it makes the audience feel good yes. because it's, it's all like bullshit, uh, cathartic speeches, it, right? But it's also like you're hey I'm with you, Piggy. Yeah. We're both smart. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and it's like no, you you know like I watch it and I go like no, nah, you're you're talking down to me, and I know right. you are. And I whereas but I always I, think it's the yeah. exact opposite of The Sopranos, Goodfellas. Uh, like mm-hmm. Richard Linklater movies. Movies that I love are often made by people who I like to think of as dumbass whisperers, where they create yes. like these brilliant scenes between a bunch of people that like aren't that smart and are all extremely selfish and all have their own agenda. And Aaron Sorkin does the opposite, which is like extended staircase wit, where he like creates mm-hmm. you know dialogues between one or two people who talk like we wish we could talk and say like all right. the things that we wish we would have said in that situation mm-hmm. where our boss was being a dick you know yes yeah yeah and and it's or some uh, chick was being a bitch and you just yeah some chick was mouthing off you know you just yakety yakking and she just wouldn't just stop flapping that dick sucker <laughs> and so i had to put her in her place verbally like it, like he 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 writes characters. The pilot scene like was the a Jeff perfect, Daniels, perfect example of that in uh, 
in in fucking um news news night the newsroom which is like some uh-huh. some college girl asking uh jeff daniels a question about why the u.s is the greatest country in the world and uh-huh. and he basically just like stunts on this college freshman uh yeah d- dropping like the wikipedia page for why america is not the greatest country <laughs> in the world yeah right just like when like scroll down to the controversy section and read it real smug yeah. and then you you can yell at women the way you want to yell and at he's them. also like a ho- hokey romantic cheese ball because the end of that fucking scene is uh jeff daniels being like we're not the greatest country in the world and then the music kind of kicks up and he's like but we could be yeah 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 exactly exactly and and to me like the jeff daniels character as annoying and smug as he was i'm i'm willing to believe that this is a character i'm willing to like uh i'm willing to suspend disbelief and d like not detach sorkin uh, the sorkin element from the character but but kind of like um but it, it it stands out enough that you can go like okay i believe in that there's a smug news anchor who's yelling sure, at women yeah. like it's like it's like sometimes the characters that he writes in his voice that all sound the same uh work and it's either because of the performance or because of you know the fact that it's like it's a fictitious character because they work or because the fact that we don't know they the work because like we want that we want that character to be our voice in that situation yeah like i think yeah. one of his best um and i have even have problems with this one but like charlie wilson's war where philip seymour hoffman mm-hmm. gets to like just uh shit on the cia for doing dumb shit uh all the time mm-hmm. uh it's pretty great like just every single philip seymour hoffman monologue in that movie is uh pretty wonderful um yeah and it's a lot like this movie with the ending that's uh, problematic. But so this movie, like for the first, I don't know, for the first 30 minutes, I was like, oh, man, this is like, this is perfectly Sorkin's wheelhouse. Like it is. Oh, yeah. A, it is a courtroom drama in which uh, the boomer generation gets to get one over on the military industrial con- uh, the military industrial complex who is yeah. you know trying to shit on them like the forces of old and evil and the forces of right and while simultaneously being able to um retroactively place yourself as a uh impartial observer who knows the future <laughs> yeah and is like you know oh if only these like fucking hippies would just get you know like be a little bit serious and not so self-aggrandizing it's just <laughs> yeah. like it's 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 definitely it's it's a perfect sorkin uh like premise yeah, but we and 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 it's a premise that like you get fake nuance uh in the idea that abby hoffman played by sasha baron cohen and uh which we should get tom, into at some and point. tom hayden played by uh eddie redmayne um are mm-hmm. like these foils you know you got the fucking the uh the, the kennedy pretty boy tom hayden who wants you know hippies to tuck their shirts in and stand up straight so they can win elections and then abby hoffman mm-hmm. who wants to levitate the pentagon with whatever but but mm-hmm. it's not like it's not real nuance because he doesn't really he doesn't really criticize either of these characters in any in any way like he doesn't like their their personalities don't really their personalities are there just so that they can be contrasting characters. They're not really there. Right. Like there's no analysis of things that uh, that the boomers could have done better, which is pretty typical for any Aaron Sorkin um, thing. But and 
and yeah. and like great cast i think uh like eddie redmayne this is like one of his least obnoxious roles that i've seen um i think he was <laughs> i mean i've only ever seen the theory of everything so i don't know what else he's been in, he in that I mean, he was like, you know, a guy. He was Stephen Hawking. So, you know, t- to me, I was like, I, I, I was, I was alright. I felt with like it. that was just such a infantilizing. It, it infantilized uh, Stephen Hawking and me as an audience member because, like, I'm just invited to mm. think how cute this this disabled guy is with his crooked little glasses, and it's like, fuck you. I guarantee <laughs> his fucking glasses weren't crooked his entire life, and his hair was yeah. his hair wasn't all mussed up. Like, he's inviting you to treat. Stephen Hawking, like he's you know a fucking rumpled little kid that you want to give a popsicle to. Yeah, all right, fair enough. I I thought I thought it was cute. I mean, I'm a shill, so this is and, like and to and me. It was like <laughs> I hate so cute. Wipe his glasses <laughs> yeah. for him. And then in uh, Les Misérables, um, I think that was more oh, more just I, his yeah. weird like vibrating singing. He had like the most obnoxious singing style to look at in that movie, which is sure. impressive because it was a movie full of some people with obnoxious singing styles. Um, yeah 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 but yeah so i i liked um, red main in this yeah I, I i thought he was good um yeah i thought in general like the cast you know the casting was was um i don't know how to put this without it sounding mean but like uh it felt like the perfect default casting yeah. of character <laughs> actors like everyone was just like doing exactly what they do mm-hmm. no one no one was really um tasked with uh with with doing a role that is outside of their wheelhouse, right. you know, from from the uh, judge played by uh, that Frank one Langella. dude, uh huh, and to the um, new attorney general played by the other dude from uh, from the Wire, uh-huh. you know, um, or it's like the it was the attor- the new attorney general's like assistant or some shit. I don't know at the beginning right. of the movie Rawls. with uh, the and then and with then Rawls Joseph from Gordon Levitt is like the lead prosecute joseph gordon levitt is like every fucking sorkin script comes down to like the uh the right winger eventually like finding his conscience and doing the right thing which is like the biggest shit um yep that's like Uh, i feel like that sums up the the centrist democratic strategy of the last uh 20 years and um yeah it's like well i mean have you tried playing uh some you know some really beautiful strings above the fascists <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe if if we just have you know some melodic uh melancholy string music they'll come to their Look, senses man, you it's just like, keep saying nope. have you no decency stir and eventually they'll discover mm-hmm. uh their decency that's the st- exactly they'll be like damn i ain't never thought about like that this whole time i was like oh you know what what's decency and then you said if i had none and i was like oh yeah. That makes that makes sense now because I don't. I would. I, I, would I, I guess I should guess a <laughs> yeah. huh. I would slightly disagree. The one person that was slightly out of uh, was slightly stretching is um, uh, John Carroll Lynch, who's like the big bald guy who who always seems to play a character who has like a heel turn at some point. Like he's really good at playing scary. Like he's in a lot of horror movies, and he was kind of was he the one who played uh, Dillinger? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, but even 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 he, yeah, they, but they almost like contrasted him a little bit by making him a pacifist, you know, uh, and then they kind of undid that when he like punched the, you know, the bailiff or yeah. whatever, and they were like, and he's like, I, I'm so sorry, I did that, you yeah. know, and you're just like, you know, you were meant to do that. That's why you were cast. <laughs> but um, 
there was one character, there was one actor who was a bit outside of his comfort zone in this movie. And uh, it is um, our dear, dear friend, a uh, friend of the pod, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my God, why can't he do an American <laughs> accent? He was supposed why? to be from Massachusetts. It was awful. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. How is he the only British actor who cannot do an American sounding oh, accent? there's a lot. I understand. Oh, I, I mean, listen, because I, I, I was thinking about this. I want to pull up a clip of the like, actual Abby Hoffman because I don't know what he actually uh, sounds like. Like, like he was doing, he was doing a Massachusetts accent. I got that. And, and, you know, there were times when it worked. I found myself watching him, uh, and like rooting for him. Like I couldn't pay attention to the words he was saying because I was just hoping that he could say them with the correct accent. Is that, is that weird? No, I, I, I think. <laughs> If you had one, it could be useful, right, as a demonstration. Because I could shoot the guy Okay, it's a media gun. Sorry, I was hoping he would be more speaking in this. Right. Now, I'm going to shoot you. You know, this presentation of love is not entirely where my head is. The way that I got out of the anti woman. That was Abby Hoffman. So, all right, I feel like just in that one clip that, uh, unless he had a really strange accent, and you could be like, oh, it's clearly accurate. Uh, no, it was it's, not. I mean, he's doing a version of me doing Brad Paul. <laughs> and it's like, it's strange because it's like, I know he's... Because here's the thing. He's a genius, okay? Yes. Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius. That's and Borat like, 2 is out just, this week, by the way. And I'm very excited yeah. for that. But it's like, it's just indisputable. He is a genius. He's a comedic genius. Borat, Ali G, Bruno are three of the most who, amazing who specializes, characters. by the way, in doing weird accents that people buy in real life situations. I know. It's so strange that this is the one that where he gets caught up. Because you look at like the amount of British actors who are so good at doing an American accent that they just end up playing Americans all the time. I mean, you look at like half of the black actors uh, in Hollywood movies who are cast are British. Yeah. And I mean, and, I think if there's and, a and, Mount you know, Rushmore of British actors who are good at American accents, it is uh, Damien, the redhead Damien dude who is on uh, Homeland. Uh, forget his last name. Oh, sure, Damian yeah. Lewis, and um, mm-hmm. Jimmy McNulty from The Wire. Well, okay. So his, his let comes me, in let, and out every once in a while, but for the most part, he's really good at it. Uh, well, well, well. So, it, it, like to me, Dr. it's like House. you know, obviously, like yeah, Hugh Laurie, yeah. you know, is is to me Mount Rushmore yes. level in terms of like perfect, never drops it once. And then to me, that's like the scale. But the fact that you can do the American accent, that really doesn't mean shit to me. Like the fact that you can do it is like that's you know, it's like a painter who can paint real, very realistic pictures. It's like that's a cool technical mm-hmm. trick, but it's not necessarily good yeah. art whereas like jimmy mcnulty for example dominique monahan he can't do a perfect accent he drops every once in a while when you're when you're watching the wire and you're and you catch mm-hmm. it and you go oh oh that's strange but because he's such a fantastic actor you don't you don't fault him for it you just you you get 
caught up in the character of Jimmy McNulty and you don't see Dominic Monaghan. You see Jimmy McNulty who sometimes says words British. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's, and like, he's, and he's from Baltimore. So you're like, ah, maybe that's just a weird Baltimore Yeah, you're accent, like, is that a Baltimore accent? I don't know. One it of could the weirdest be. accents in the US probably. It's a, it's a very, very strange accent. But, uh, but yeah, like, so I don't care if you're not perfect at the accent. If if the character is good and you're a good actor, you can make it work. And I just like Sasha Baron Cohen in this movie was like, what the fuck? Just get, like I couldn't I couldn't pay attention to the character. And maybe it's just because I know him. Like I like him so much as all these other things that seeing him in this role that was like outside of his comfort zone or something that he doesn't usually do you know maybe threw me off but i was like for for me i was just like this this is this is terrible i can't i can't i can't watch yeah. this this is unwatchable this performance I, it didn't bother me that much i will say that for about the first 45 minutes of the movie i was into it i was like all right this is a good courtroom drama mm. like he wasn't doing his bullshit overlapping dialogue as much as he normally does and he was yeah, yeah, he was yeah. sort of making uh giving it a um a cinematic he was using the dramatic conceits of the film to give him an excuse to do the overlapping because he was just mixing yeah. he's mixing the present day with clips of what happened uh at the 68 mm-hmm. riots so like when it overlapped it kind of made sense and it wasn't wasn't so uh so blatantly like his tick um and then I tried to watch this probably like three or four nights in a row where I, I, I would start it like as I was in bed prior to going to sleep and I fell asleep mm-hmm. probably three nights in a row. And at first I didn't hold it against the movie. Um, and then I watched yeah. this entire two hour and 10 minute movie. Uh, and, uh, and I realized like it starts out, you think it's his wheelhouse and then it just, it doesn't really have a ton to say about this trial Oh, it has nothing to say. It has zero to say about it other than like, hey, did you know that this monumentally corrupt trial happened? And then you're just like, you're either like, oh, yeah, or oh, no, I didn't. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's it. And he does it didn't, He does it, this thing it didn't tell where you. he pits, he yeah. pits uh, Abby Hoffman and Tom Hayden against each other where um, this very, you know, contrived but uh, good at laying out the issues, which is kind of Aaron Sorkin's whole thing. Um, where mm-hmm. Tom Hayden is uh, is is complaining about how Abby Hoffman, uh, like when people look back on this period in history, because of Abby Hoffman, they're not going to remember the yes. conflict between the military and industrial complex and people who want a fairer society. They're just going to see this long hair weirdo uh, putting flowers in people's guns. Um, and then, you know, Abby Hoffman's response to that is, no, these are stunts to get people's attention and we have to do that because we don't have a platform which is like you know somewhat of an interesting conflict but like if you're mm-hmm. making this movie about the trial of Chicago 7 you'd think you would have some sort of analysis for what it means uh to politics today because i think in Aaron Sorkin's mm-hmm. mind yeah. what this means is like oh this is an example of what's going on today, but he has no yes. He has no analysis of how things could have been done better, like how the personalities at play affected uh, the thing mm-hmm. that was going on. It was just kind of like ah, there was a thing that's happened. Like all conflicts are the exact same. Like, I, don't, I don't. It feels like he has no sense of actual history. 
Right. It, it 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 feels like it's almost without commentary. He's trying to present it without commentary and just like a, a lot of wit. Yeah. He's like, it's like, I don't need to say anything, but if there's enough wit in it, then it'll be fine. Um, and it, it it's it's interesting because it's like, while I agree with you that like, you know, he kind of um, doesn't say, I think, what he wants to say explicitly which is like to me what i got from it is what he wants to say is that if it weren't for the um activists left who um who dressed like hippies and did these stunts it were if it weren't for the abby hoffmans then not only would um you know uh, would more progress get get done, but these guys wouldn't have even gone to prison. That's that's what it felt like to me. It felt like he was he was he wasn't brave enough to say it because he couldn't really back it up, <laughs> but he wanted to say it because they, they they mentioned multiple times, kind of like the characters are are giving uh you know Ruben and uh, Hoffman shit for basically being hippies. Yeah. Um, and you know they, they they do try to be um, fair to them by by having that whole thing where he's like uh, you know I don't have the resources that you do and I don't have money and this is how you can get you know cameras and stuff but I still felt like they were just like you know um, I don't know it 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 felt to me like it was a it was just it just had no real. Uh, explicit perspective it was just like here are the events in an entertaining well, it's, way it's like he invites you to be uh, to take a somewhat jaundiced view of like American institutions but in the end it's mm-hmm. it's like he's also he's every single thing that he ever does it's like uh, here's when American institutions were corrupted but here's why they're also the best in the world it's like he never he never right. really follows it up with any sort of um, real like structural critique. I think like yeah. the most uh, the most representative scene is when Dellinger, the pacifist guy, uh, hauls off and punches one of the cops, and then as he's walking out of the courtroom, he like mouths "I'm sorry" to the cop, right? To his family, yeah. uh, to the judge, and it's kind of like he wasn't fucking sorry. Like you're, it's yeah. like, Oh, that was, that, that's like the whole story is like, Oh, the cops drew first blood. That's, that's his entire mm-hmm. take on, uh, this entire thing. And I mean, I guess that it's not like untrue, but like he, there's no analysis of it beyond that. And, and which is why it eventually mm-hmm. gets really boring. Um, and it all culminates in like one of the most fucking puke worthy finales that I've unbelievable it was so bad that i was like this is uh this is the only this was the pitch there's no way he didn't have any uh, he didn't know where he was going with the movie he you know he just knew that he wanted to do um the trial of the chicago seven and he knew that he wanted to have the biggest clapter scene in any I was film. so ready to forgive Sorkin for his bullshit throughout most of. I was finally like, yeah. "All right, I'm finally gonna give Aaron Sorkin his due uh, for like writing mm-hmm. exciting dialogue and good courtroom scenes and and mm-hmm. like witty rejoinders." I was like, "All right, there's a time and a place, just like you said." And I was ready. Mm-hmm. I was ready to give it to him. Uh, and then he ends it with this finale, which is Tom Hayden giving like this the the pre sentencing speech 
for the entire Chicago 7. Uh, and I have a clip of that. Just so you can hear. Just so you can understand. Please begin. Okay. Your Honor, since... Like, already, the music... Just that the music in the background, you're like, ah, oh, well, this is going <laughs> to yeah. suck. Like, even before he yeah, says anything, yeah. you're like, oh, fuck, no. No, not the music. Come on. Yeah. He's, they wind up the jack-in-the-box <laughs> of sentimental horseshit, and they release, and you go, no, 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 yeah. no. Since this trial began... 4,752 U.S. troops have been killed in Vietnam. And the following are their names. Private First Class, Dennis they Even He makes the music louder, like you are, weren't already annoyed by it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you hear the sentimentality? I just, in case you can't hear. Private Eric Allen Bosch, 21 years old. Mr. Kunstler. Lance Corporal Robert Earl Ellis, 19 years old. Mr. Kunstler. Lance Corporal he Anthony will Michael not Steen, read 5,000 names for the class. Robert Ford. This is also like another perfect encapsulation of like the centrist lib worldview, which is that. Um, they say nothing about any like actual Vietnamese people being killed. It's just like, oh, he's going to read off the names of all the American servicemen. And you're supposed to be extra sad because they put their titles in front of them. Because like one of the things that Aaron Sorkin always soft pedals about himself is that he worships the uniform just as much oh, as yeah. like any MAGA chud. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Douglas W. Jackson. 19 years there old. There will be order. Private First Class William Melvin Johnson. There will be 20 order. Years old. There will be order. That's Corporal Robert. There will Lionel. be order. 19 years old. Philip Lawrence Jewell. There will be order. That's not too on the nose, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, I feel like that scene goes the on moral... for another 40 seconds. By the way. Oh, it just keeps going, and then and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt at some point gets up because he also respects the uh-huh. troops, and uh, he's like, "I'm showing my respect to his uh, to to his uh, his co-prosecutor," and the the other guy's just disgusted yeah. with he him. Found, well, for he showing he respect. realized that he did have decency, sir, uh, and and then it's, and then it's like a combined slow clap, standing ovation, teary speech uh trifecta that are just all, it's all there all every like cheesy fucking end of movie cliche is in there I, I, aaron sorkin is 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 fucking insane i don't know what's <laughs> going on in his in his in his fucking mind but like the character that joseph gordon levitt plays by the way is a character who starts off with like basically voicing his objections um, to the like assistant district attorney about uh, prosecuting these people, basically saying this is like a you know political hit job, and this uh, is you know basically saying this is un-American and we're using a racist law in order to prosecute mm-hmm. them, and then he goes on to prosecute them and prosecute them to the best of his ability, and then gets them uh, convicted, get found guilty. Gets them convicted. And you're supposed to spend this movie watching him and going like, you know what? 
he's just doing his yeah, job. Yeah. And you you gotta imagine that like, what do you what do you think about like, I don't know Himmler. What are your, what are your <laughs> thoughts on yeah. the on the SS? Like what what like to him to Aaron Sorkin in his worldview, like being completely decimated by fascism is worth it for the moment in your life where you will have a bunch of people clapping mm-hmm. for you. It's worth it. I mean, it. like the the entire movie hinges on two functionaries of the authoritarian state suddenly having an attack of conscience. It's one, it's the uh, prosecutor played by Jordan, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it's the ex-attorney mm-hmm. general played by Michael Keaton, who uh, yes, you that's know, right. he has the face turn where uh, he admits that it was all politically motivated. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... Um, and, and what I love is uh, just the kind of like, well, you know, I may be the ex-attorney general, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm with I'm with the anti-war movement. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, what do you use? He was Johnson's <laughs> attorney general. There's no way he's with the anti-war movement. Like, like Sorkin's idea is that, like, listen, there's plenty of people within our rotting institutions <laughs> that are sympathetic to yeah. us and deep in their hearts <laughs> in their hearts they are on our side and yeah they may kill us in the streets <laughs> yeah they may enact laws that consistently repress us and and uh, make us vulnerable and you know uh perpetuate the status quo but deep down somewhere in there is just a guy that you know is like hey man can't we all just get along? Yeah. You know, fucking I'm basically I'm basically you. And it's like it, it like like that that we fucking, just have to get them to that, recognize they were all the same, man. They're going to do it. We just got to use the right words. If we have enough yeah. staircase wit uh and enough hot sweet takes, they'll yeah, figure it it's out. It's just like what He's he's like the type of dude who like if he were born in a different generation, if he were my age, he would be like he would be a dude who's just like, you know, I'm I'm really into like logic and rationalism. And I think that logic wins all debate. Right. And uh, and it just it's just so it's, you know what it, you know what just, it is? It, like I watched a movie this a documentary this week about the 2000 election, which basically came mm-hmm. down to the fact that like George W. Bush's people uh, came and they got a bunch of people whipped up. Uh, you know, they've got they turned their sport, supporters out onto the street and like the gore response uh, was to not do any of that because we didn't want blood in the streets um, and and to take the high road. It's like, you know, when they go low, we go high. And and to people mm-hmm. like Aaron Sorkin, I feel like that would be all worth it so that you can make a movie 20 years later about how how we were the how we were the morally correct ones. And we should get an yes. A from uh, history um, by not, you know, using the power that we had because uh that would be that would be taking the low road and we don't want to do that because then we're just like them if if aaron sorkin had written and directed schindler's list the the part at the very end where uh the red army comes in and uh officially liberates the camp um it 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 would just be like everyone would be clapping (laughs) everyone would be like we did it hell yeah like it would have the the you know just the strings would have been playing like to him there's nothing there's 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 nothing there's no no horrible thing on 
earth that's not worth worth it for just being right yeah. you know what i mean like uh, for if you're gonna if you're gonna get clapped or if you're going to get like uh fucking strings playing and whatnot then you can deal with anything that's horrible and that's the whole just, thing this is why i related it to uh charlie wilson's war because it's like all right what was the epilogue of that moment? Like Nixon got reelected again uh, for another fucking term after that. It's not like they immediately changed anyone's minds with that. Um, and so how do you like neglect the epilogue? And the same thing with Charlie Wilson's war. It's like he makes this whole rousing story about how one congressman figured out how to arm the Mujahideen in Afghanistan uh, to fight the mm-hmm. Soviet invasion, which you know, no doubt was bad, but like, uh, what was the fucking outcome of that? Is that we, uh, weaponized, we weaponized like Muslim extremism. Um, and, uh, and like, there was no there. Were, I couldn't tell if the end of that was supposed to be ironic. And like looking back mm-hmm. on it, like, I don't think it was like, I don't think he just, I don't think he ever thinks in terms of like what happened next. It's always, it's always like, Oh, well we were right in that moment. Remember how right we were. That was great. Yeah, no, it's like to to him, it's all about being right because being right will make for a good movie. And like the more, the more struggle, um, the more entertaining of a movie. And it's like, it's, 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 it has a hundred percent. It has everything to do with like being right in retrospect is fun to watch. (laughs) And so I'm going to only make movies about that. It's just, it's, it's sickening because you, you, you look at the effect of this kind of horse shit and like the West Wing, for example, mm-hmm. on, um, you know, specifically Democratic politicians and our institutions. And you go like, yeah, you guys are you, the foundation is crumbling and, and you're, you know, the fucking termites have bitten through the wood. And you're you're just like, well, you know what? Those termites are going to be real mad when there's no wood left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, are you fucking insane stop it <laughs> call a fucking exterminator you fucking psychopaths yeah. yeah it's it's just it's 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 hard to watch his um political movies and his political takes in movies just just because he's so impotent and he he just venerates impotence well he venerates and, and powerlessness he venerates office and uh status mm-hmm. and you know uh yeah and duty and honor and all that bullshit yeah like all the shit that he's arguing against he ends up venerating just as much yeah he's 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 got um nothing but sympathy for cowardice and it's like i i just don't i don't understand it it's 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 it just makes no sense to me and i i don't know how anyone can watch this movie and I mean, specifically the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt character, and like not be angry. Like, how how can you watch this movie and think like, you know what, that guy was just doing the best right, he could, right? You yeah. know, he's just doing the best he could to put a bunch of innocent people in jail, you know. And uh, hey, you know, at least he respected the troops at the end. It's like, oh my God, fuck I want you. the entire. See, what I want was like. Like he put it, he did what they always do in these biopics where they put all the like important stuff in the epilogue text. But yeah. like, I want to know about how Jerry Rubin became a stockbroker 
Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. I was more interested in that than anything. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then also the whole thing where he's like, and then he died because he jaywalked uh, in Westwood Village and got hit by yeah, a car. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, all right, you're clowning him a little bit. Yeah. Like, that's kind of fucked up. But I would like to know about his life as a stockbroker because um, that seems like... Uh, a very boomer appropriate oh, heel yeah. turn. But, In the 80s, you know. this is from Jerry uh, Rubin's Wikipedia. He maintained that, quote, wealth creation is the real American revolution. What we need is an infusion of capital into the depressed areas of our country. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, he should, I mean, you know, they're not wrong. Definitely the poor areas need money. That's, uh, oof, that is, that's, uh, that's some genius level fucking thinking right so, there yeah like i mean, I mean I this guess, guy's like, he's galaxy braining the, the 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 poor areas of the country need money what yeah, like the entire like wow. the problem with this movie is there's no critique of um the boomer generation like the mm-hmm. the final scene where thomas hayden is getting a slow clap it's like you don't you're, you're not even acknowledging the fact that uh it was all about it was basically all about their like they read the names of people from their generation who went over to Vietnam and got killed, which was uh, tragic. But you're not critiquing the part of us needing to go over there in the first place. Like it was almost like it's yeah. almost like the critique w- was of the draft and not of imperialism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it doesn't really get into a critique of the Vietnam War uh, other than kind of like you assume kind of a default critique because, oh, well, these are 60s, you know, hippies and radicals. So, uh, you know, I assume that they hate the war for various reasons. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, are you going to get into that at all? <laughs> yeah. Or are we just kind of an um, important gonna... point? Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it, because definitely there were there were leftists and liberals of all stripes who all had different reasons for why Vietnam was bad. Um, and you know, which is uh, fine, but like, hopefully they like grew up and like learned something or, uh, you know, right. Or, or, or like, there's like a, there's gotta be at the very least some talk of it, uh, in a movie about it. Yeah. Um, but no, they kind of just left that part out, which, you know, he, and, he and I would so, he always gets like, so close. Like he gets so close to acknowledging yeah. that the reason uh, the boomers had the freedom to, uh, you know, create this mass protest is because they were like the most affluent generation in history. But then he never, he never, there's never, never a second part of that. Like, okay, but then what? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it, you know, the kind of, even in the, uh, in the epilogue was, um, I don't know. The the epilogue to me kind of just even though it, it's true what uh, what happened in the epilogue which is basically um what is his name? Jerry Rubin. Jerry Rubin became a stockbroker uh, and got killed while jaywalking. A stockbroker Yeah, yeah, and they got hit by a car. Um Abby Hoffman uh sold a book um and then uh killed himself and then Thomas Hayden um you know became a fucking state, con- state uh, congressman. Yeah or assemblyman for a long, a long ass time. And it was just like, Jane uh, Fonda too. Or he was like dating Jane Fonda. I don't know. They kind of, Oh, that's sick. Um, but yeah, no, it it just, so there's like, even in the epilogue, you feel like I feel, I I just, I, I, I know you're dunking on Ruben and, uh, and Hoffman. And it's like, not to say that there aren't reasons to dunk on them. Uh, but also like, does it doesn't tell you anything that uh you know uh 
what happened is basically that Tom Hayden was able to use his wealth and privilege uh, and fucking, you know, become a, you know, uh, a politician. Like, a politician like this isn't there's no there's no analysis of like of why these things happen only that they do happen and when they do happen you're gonna need a lot of walk and talk <laughs> scenes where people are witty as shit yeah. i don't know i i, what about, I so you I, again you, I don't... you talked about sasha baron cohen i normally enjoy uh jeremy strong um but oh him really? yeah. as jerry rubin uh wasn't wasn't i, I wasn't him. really doing it for me Oh, I thought it worked. I thought to me, he was, he was, uh, I enjoyed him the most to the point where I was just like, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, again, they were, they were making him a buffoon. Uh, Sorkin hates hippies. (laughs) Um, he thinks that all before, you know, all leftism can be done in suits before the, um, before the finale, the worst scene in the movie was when, uh, Jerry Rubin, asks uh did she ask about me about the about the about the fbi FBI agent agent who tried to honeypot him yeah i mean i thought it was i don't know it's a a good joke cutesy i mean that's yeah it was it it was an okay and then the joke is you already know she's an fbi agent why would you do that Eh." but it was like you know I, i didn't mind him so much um i mean one thing i will say is uh it i was kind of patiently waiting for a female character to exist and um You're right and then no i i mean i was like uh, at some point there's going to be a, a a woman in this right and then uh when a woman does exist she's answering the phone uh hi welcome to the conspiracy center and then um and then the lawyer's like you might not want to call it that and he's like people get irony okay you know actually most people deep down are really smart and stuff and then she and then he, he like looks at her he's like yeah whatever you fucking dumbass <laughs> no, twat said, you know he except, said like you're gonna be if you if you think that you're gonna be disappointed you're spend, spending most of your life yeah no but like which was a good line right but, but he clearly set up the dumbass female to get mansplained to yeah no Right, that's what Aaron Sorkin wanted. It was like, oh, it's been thirty minutes and we haven't mansplained to a woman yet. You know, like he was just like he was itching. He was itching to do it, and like, of course, you know, Aaron Sorkin isn't going to write the lawyer saying, you know, uh, you're a fucking idiot, you dumbass twat. Uh-huh. But that's what he wants right. to say, and I almost feel like there's needs to be some sort of Aaron Sorkin counterpart, like an honest Sorkin. Uh-huh that like writes and directs movies in the exact same voice of Aaron Sorkin. Um, but except in every scene where Sorkin has written a dumb woman to be explained, uh, explained to, um, instead of writing that, that scene, you know, with the same Sorkin witticisms, um, he just beats the shit out of her. (laughs) And that's like, that's the rest of the movie. And just I, like, so all of a sudden you're 30 minutes in to this movie. And then all of a sudden the last hour and a half is just a prolonged scene where a man is just beating the shit out of a woman. I think the honest and, Sorkin uh, is Sylvester Stallone. Um, like if you just, if you go, mm. if you just go see Rambo last blood, it's like, oh man, all these fucking hippies. Uh, yeah. Basically the entire like, oeuvre of rambo is uh some hippies spit yeah. on him and he fucking went crazy and killed everybody because he's such a bad because he's such a badass troop yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And you got you you get the feeling that Sorkin really l- would love Rambo and would be like you have to you have to respect the uniform, sir, as he's just like point blank shooting a Gatling gun into like yeah. s- some fucking just, Vietnamese just dude's at face. Just 209ing some guy in the in the fucking boardroom. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like to me an honest Sorkin is just, you know, uh fucking bitter nerds um you know being snarky with each other and just uh violently hating women and uh and yeah that's that's it's a movie that i would watch and i would be you know disgusted by but at least i could be honestly disgusted by yeah, it you know yeah. what i mean no he soft like, pedals all his terrible he always couches his terribleness in like um obama lib expect like um accepted yes. ways you know yeah exactly like that's it's it's yeah he soft pedals it all and i'm just like i just want to see an honest sorkin fucking you know uh violent beat down because because <laughs> that's at least then i could know what he's thinking because why 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 would he write all of his female characters as fucking morons or snitches like like the other female character is a uh fbi plant who uh you know <laughs> who tricks uh, somebody using her feminine wiles into like who yeah tried uses to stop her feminine the, wiles who's trying to stop the uh revolution by um by yeah exactly a guy into wanting to fuck her yeah yeah just uh those are the type of women that exist in this fucking sorkin universe and uh you know, I just think uh, you know, deal with them honestly hey, on screen. Say how you hey, really at least feel. He made Molly's game. That was his uh, mea culpa for all this. You know, it's about a really smart lady who took down. It's about a really smart took lady. Down Toby yeah. McGuire eventually. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that movie. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to. You know, because I'm not a misogynist, right? You know this, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I know that about you. But um, Jessica. Chastain, uh, her titties <laughs> in a movie that has so much milk. There's so much milk in the titties, and I look at him and I, I just turn into a little baby. And when I just go, I want to latch. <laughs> Let me latch onto the milky boobs, and I just because... me giggling's not an endorsement of this. I obviously, I think it's obviously no, and I'm not endorsing okay, this either. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. am. Not, I, I'm not a misogynist. This is not who I am. But baby Matt. But baby Matt when I latch onto the milky bum bum. And then you're because she had the perfect uh, wobbles, you know? Yeah. yeah. Perfect fat wobbles on the chest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jessica, Jessica Chastain and the, and the milky wobbles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> But um yeah. yeah no Molly's game that was a that was a perfectly fine movie solid, um, but yeah uh, this this solid mo- B plus for that one solid B plus for that one solid B plus um for you know trial of the Chicago Seven I, I before I watched it I went on Wiki not Wikipedia I went on uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes and uh, looked at the score and it was like ninety three percent and I was like um, okay well this is this is gonna be um, this is gonna be as bad as i know it will be yeah and and that's the thing i don't i don't hate this movie again i i actually i i i enjoyed it i thought it was like uh it was good enough but it you know it just has all the same aaron sorkin pitfalls 
and uh i just can't i can't abide them in in this context yeah. i can't abide him doing um troop slash uh 60s cultural revolution dick sucking yeah. it's it's so it's so played out it's so centrist and uh, that that i just can't i can't i can't handle it I, it's not like i enjoyed I, it for about yeah. 90 minutes ish and then just hated it for like the next half hour ish because it was like first of all i was bored of him not having a take and doing the same shit over and over and then he just he ends mm -hmm. on the absolute worst possible scene before the credits roll yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's just uh you know the it, it's if you if you wanted to make a movie uh that is like peak aaron sorkin's um you know shit lib perspective like this was the movie right. It, it it had everything that you've ever wanted, you know. It's he could have like, done it well too. He like almost he came real close to like justifying it. His all his bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what's funny? I didn't know it was an Aaron Sorkin movie uh, until about ten minutes into it. <laughs> yeah, I I had heard. I don't know what how I heard this, but I heard. Knew? Um, when the what do you call it? Um, uh when Bobby seal says um, something along the lines of like, like there's like this quick talking scene and Bobby seal goes like, I'm only here, um, you know, because uh, you want to put a black man here uh, and make this group look scarier. And it was just something where it was like one of those lines where it's like, Oh, it's the perfect. It was too perfect of like a line to say at that exact mm -hmm. moment. And, uh, so I knew that it was an Aaron. Sor I, th I I thought Aaron Sorkin directed it, but I had heard. I don't know how I got this that Sasha Baron Cohen had written it. <laughs> so I watched it for about ten minutes, being like semi impressed at kind of like. <laughs> oh man, I was that like, Borat can sure write a some dialogue. Yeah, no, he's not bad. Like this is you know this is pretty good. And then it was at that line when I was like. Wait, 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 wait. This is just written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, isn't it? And then I looked and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this explains pretty much everything. But uh, yeah, it's all a B plus, mm -hmm. you know. It's all a B plus. Well, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think that's a pod. I would like. I can't wait to reconvene and discuss Borat two as soon as we possibly can. Oh, it's gonna be. It, you know what? I'm I'm tempering my expectations. Uh, that's that's yeah, what I'll say, and too. and that's not to say that I think it'll be bad because I I've yet to see a bad Sasha Baron Cohen goes undercover as blank uh -huh. movie like like uh, I mean I never saw Ali G in the house which was his long is his long form it's one not, uh, that it's was not, it's not it's scripted. Ali, yeah, it's scripted that's why it's not very good right um but uh, you know from like. Borat to Bruno to the uh, this is America or what is America or something the the Showtime uh -huh. show um, you know the, I he just he doesn't do these poorly they're always they're always in some fashion excellent yeah. um, so uh, but still I am tempering my expectations there's nothing that's ever going to beat Borat one so um, but yeah I'm looking forward to talking about all it right me too. All right, buddy. Well, patreon.com slash fraudcast for all of your all of your bonus episodes. Uh fraudcast at gmail.com. Email us questions, comments, concerns. Um ooh, what is Sorry. that? Was that music you're playing? It was a, a stupid video that started auto playing. 
I fucking hate that, dude. Um, teespring.com slash store slash fraudcast um, or stores slash fraudcast. I forget which. <laughs> I'll look it up. But teespring.com slash store or stores slash fraudcast for all of your fraudcast merch. We, we got it all there. So please come check it out. Uh, Vince, what's the Google voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, good night and good chins.